coming up on Verse Course Verse. They're tired, everyone. They're all so tired. So let's give everybody else a break. That's next. Welcome to episode 136 of Verse Course Verse. I am DL. How is everybody doing? I'm going to do this solo tonight, okay? It's the middle of summer. People are on vacay. All the kids are out of school. There's camping to be had. There's marriages to be married to. There's kids to take on boats. I can't just steal people every weekend. It's not fair. So... Some of these, as you all know, I do on my own, and this is one of them. This is The Great Search. How is everybody out there in the world doing? Are we all doing well? I just went camping for a couple of days. The first time I've been camping in forever. It was the first time that I have ever not had reception in like... It was like two days of non-reception. It has been so long since I did that, and it was good. It was a great feeling to actually unplug. It's an overwhelming feeling to turn on your phone when you get back, start getting back into town and, you know, you see 102 emails. That's the thing. Everybody talks about how, man, you got to get away. You got to just make your mind right for a couple days. And you do that, but then you leave so much for yourself to do when you get back. You know, nobody talks about that. Nobody cares about... Everybody cares about vacation person. Nobody cares about post-vacation person. What about that poor bastard? Hope you've been enjoying the content as of late. We did the panel on record collecting, which was a blast. We talked about 2010s, which was a blast. Not too much left in this rotation. Uh, We've got a listener supported coming up. We're going to talk some soundtracks. We got our quickfire review and then, hey, more than halfway done with the year. This one has really flown by. It really has. I don't know why. I don't know if it's because we've kind of gotten to the swing of things and we're feeling good about it. I don't know if there's just so much more actual stuff going on. But man, this year has gone quick. I'm excited. We're already starting to figure out season four a little bit. A lot of new stuff. A lot of new content. We could talk about these episodes for a little bit. So, The Great Search. This is, what, fourth one, fifth one, something like that. Maybe sixth one. We are adding some more content next year. These episodes are one of the main ones that I'm... I don't know. I'm not sure if these are going to continue on. I really enjoy doing this. And I may just end up figuring out another non-podcast way of doing it. Maybe I'll turn it into YouTube videos or something like that. Uh, I love doing The Great Search. I feel like it is a much bigger... I feel like it is a project that I need to give more time than I actually am able to through the podcast. And maybe this is just how it is when you do something like this, but there's something about these equations that I love and I'm proud of, but I don't think are perfect, and I am not sure if I have the time to get them there. So I don't know if next year these are going to be a thing. If people want them to be a thing, I will continue it somehow. Uh, Maybe they'll be more fun through YouTube, and I'm actually going to uh, do it a little bit of a different way this time that I think will make it a little more entertaining. Not to, you know, I haven't gotten any complaints about these episodes or anything like that. In fact, uh, I've gotten some positive, the, the only thing I've gotten really is positive feedback or questions about the equation or tips on the equation, which have been great. I'm not quitting because I hate them. I'm not going to stop doing them because other people hate them. There's just a lot coming down the pike. 
And I feel like these episodes, for some reason, stick out to me as ones that maybe it's just because they're my own. So I don't think of them as as important as the other ones, because I hold the episodes that I do with Rachel or Evil or Sven in so much more high regard than the ones that I do uh, on my own. And not to take the ones that I do on my own away from, you know, Sven, when I do the kind of the documentary style ones, Sven always adds some music in there and you know, not taking away from anything like that. The production is always great, but we'll see. I'll still figure out a way to do them. In fact, I'm kind of just now talking myself to maybe changing some YouTube content into that next year. This could be interesting. I could have a thing here. I'll tell you about a little bit of how I'm going to change the way that I do this episode too coming up, but uh, we don't have to jump in to bed like that right away, do we? We can talk about what I'm drinking today. Like I said, I just got back from camping. I do not have to work tomorrow. I did the very smart thing that I've learned to do of when you're on a big vacation or you do go out of town for a couple days without reception or, you know, those sort of things. I always make sure that I have one day after to catch up, to make sure the house is in order, any personal errand crap that I needed to take care of, any podcasts that I should probably get done recording. I do that. And so while I'm doing that today, I have some leftovers from camping. It's a red beer. It's a cheap American beer mixed with spicy V8. It's one of my favorite drinks. I typically only drink it when I'm up camping, but you can't throw away leftovers, right? Starving kids would very much appreciate this red beer, so I I cannot let it go to waste. I think that's what the moms say. The world of music is exciting right now. Dave Matthews Band came out with a new album recently. Queens of the Stone Age came out with a new album. Foo Fighters came out with a new album. That Sleep Token album, Nobody Will Shut the Fuck Up About is out. And I know that there's a ton of stuff I'm not thinking of, too. That I, the Smashing Pumpkins uh, just came out with a new one. I think The Nationals came out a while ago, or maybe is coming out. Ben Folds, I think, came out with a new album. It's a good time in music. I don't have a finger yet on what this year in music is about. You know, the two years ago, it was just amazing. Last year, it was content, content, content. This year, I can't figure out what this year in music is. I haven't found my album of the year yet, I don't think. I've found some legit contenders, but there's also half a year to go. So no panic yet, right? Speaking of being at half of the year, Mark, you know, we've done, uh, I think, half our interviews, maybe more than half. We got to Nick Lee this year. We got to talk to Brad Roberts this year. We got to talk to JR from Less Than Jake this year. And we have a few left as well that I'm extremely excited for. We have a couple listener supported left to do which are my favorite ones to do. We got a lot of content left. I'm looking at the schedule and man, it's just weird. It feels like it's really flown by. And then uh, we're going to spend a few episodes talking about one of my favorite, if not my favorite band of all time. Yeah, we're going to talk about them for a couple episodes. Thanks to a, a specific book that recently came out that I am going to tackle and then we're going to do, we're going to discuss an album from them. And then uh, I think we're going to dissect the whole goddamn band with a special guest, big things coming down the pike. 
Shout out to Rachel Polio. Uh, I know this is coming out. This isn't coming out for... I'm, I record these way in advance. I call them my flex schedule episodes because I just do them whenever. So if there's a weekend that things just aren't working out, I can say, hey, no big deal. We'll cancel this week. I'll just throw in that flex episode. By the time this episode comes out, uh, Rachel will be long since married. Congratulations to Rachel and Trevor. I believe they went and honeymooned in Scotland or while I, I think maybe while I'm recording this, they're in Scotland. I don't know. I'm not sure on the dates, but uh, happy for her and hope she comes back. Uh, who knows? She may never be seen again. Not because of any weird murder thing, but you know, you get married, suddenly you're happy and you can just quit. Isn't that how it works in the movies? It's been real, Rachel. Thanks for being on the pod. Evil's fine. He and I just send offensive things to each other every day. And Sven is Sven. Uh, I hear from Sven when we're working on the YouTubes together. And he's just great. There's really no changes on a personal level. We're exciting yet boring at the same time. The Great Search. So, I've decided to go about things a little bit differently this time. This is what I'm going to do. I picked my four bands, my four groups, all four of these we have talked about this year, some more than others, some a lot. And maybe this will get them out of the way. I don't want to say out of the way because I actually love all four of these. Um, some of them maybe not as people. Some of them maybe as people. I don't know. Who cares? They're musicians. They're not people, right? Nothing has changed as far as the equations. I'm happy with the equations. I should say I do feel like there is one or two things missing. But for now, when I take a look back, I look at the best subs. I look at the greatest of all time and I'm okay with it. For those of you that are not indoctrinated yet, what we do here in the Great Search episodes is I at one point decided that I wanted to know once and for all who the greatest band of all time was, and I wanted to know more importantly once and for all who my favorite band of all time was. And the only way that I could figure to do that in my logistical head is to come up with some sort of equation. So I had this chick, Amanda, help me out because she is a doctor and smarter than me. And I am proud of this equation that has grown over the last five episodes. I take four bands or artists per episode and I throw them into this equation I will tell you what the lists are so far. I will quickly go over the equations. I'm not going to break them down. If you want to see the actual equations, just go to versecourseverse.com. There is a page called The Search. That's where you can go to see exactly what the equations are and what the exact rankings are at this time. But when finding the best band of all time, this is not according to me. This is according to the world. This is all statistics. This is all numbers. This is all billboards. So what I do is I take songs that have hit number one on the billboard, songs that have hit up to top 40, platinum albums, gold albums, additional platinum albums. So say that one album got quadruple platinum, that counts as one platinum album and then three additionals. The other thing that I add into the best of all time is I take Rolling Stone, The Empire, not the band came out with lists of A, the greatest songs of all time, and B, the greatest albums of all time. And I have added that into the equation. 
number 250 through 500 of the greatest count less than number one through 250. So all of those together basically divided by the total number of band songs, not covers, soundtracks do count as long as they were made for that soundtrack or that project or whatever you want to call it. All of those bundled together in this nice, neat equation gives me the best band of all time. As far as the favorite band of all time, what I am counting in the favorite bands of all time, I listen to every single song from the band, every single one. I split them up between amazing songs, aka songs that I need in my playlist, that I will always want in my playlist. I had a few people ask me what the hell amazing is. Like, how do you determine amazing? Keep in mind, once again, this is not statistical. This is opinion. These are my favorites. So amazing songs basically equals songs that I need in my playlist. That is the best way that I've thought of to describe it. And then medium to bad songs. Not songs that I hate, not songs that I love. Just they're they're good, they're bad, or they're there. And then terrible songs. Now... Terrible songs is a teeny bit, I mean, terrible songs is incredibly subjective, but it is subjective for me because some of these, I count one song as terrible, not because it's terrible, but because some bands get in that mode in an album where you get three songs that sound exactly the same. And by that third song, I, while listening to it, I say, okay, that's enough of this. We're not doing this anymore. And then I split the albums that that band has made between three things. I split them between records of theirs that I need in my collection that are a necessity. I split them between albums that I don't want in my collection. Albums that if I saw it for $2, I would not buy it because I do not like it. And then albums that I would buy if I came across it. If I was in my local record shop, bargain bin, $7 used. Yeah, sure. Why not? And then I divide all that in two separate ways, which once again, I'm not going to go into this is audio content. You wouldn't give a shit if you care about the visual, if you really do care about the equation, which I am convinced that maybe 7% of you do, which is great. Not judging that at all. That's not why I'm doing this. Just go to the website, firstcourseverse.com. Go to the search. You can see exactly what I'm talking about there. Now, Something different that I tried this year with the my favorite band part. What I had been doing over the course of like two months, I would just put on an album and I would just mark amazing song, medium song, terrible song, whatever. Album by album, band by band until I was done. This time I'm doing it a little bit different. I am going to stop and start recording every single time that I'm talking about a favorites uh, because I want everything very fresh in my head. One of the things that I've noticed is that if I start with a band and then two months later, I'm trying to talk about songs that I found amazing and medium and why it's muddled. Every time you hear me talk about a new band, it's going to be basically a new day of recording. I'll probably be a little more with it as far as content. So who doesn't love that? Should we talk about the bands that I decided to talk? Actually, no, let's do the list so far. So far, the bands, the artists that I have put into this will do the best or greatest band slash artist of all time. So this is according to the world, according to numbers, starting at the bottom soul coughing at a 0.075. Not a big shocker. Not a lot of albums. Not a lot of pop content. No judgment at all. Next up, Jerry Cantrell at a 0.167. This is solo work. This is not 
any group he's been in. This does not include that one band that he was in with that one singer and that one guitar player, that two bass players, and that drummer. This is not that band. This is Jerry Cantrell solo work only. 0.167 for Jerry Cantrell. Crash Test Dummies at a 0.489. Big jump. Some pretty big hits in Canada and America. And actually, we've talked about it all over the world. I got to interview Brad Roberts this year. I am the luckiest man of all time. And I'm thinking about maybe that... Oh, shit. That's brilliant. That is brilliant. I did maybe change the equation a little bit this year. But anyway, Crash Test Dummies 0.489. Next up, Everclear. 0.612. Lots more content. They had a longer ride up on the MTV charts and all that stuff. Next up, Cake at a 0.649. Was surprised that Cake was above Everclear, but Cake uh, has had consistently better numbers on the billboards. Or did, with uh, a few more albums, I should say. Next up is System of a Down at a big jump of 0.917. Everything they did was popular. Everything they did was popular. But a band that even more so can stake that claim is next up at a 1.153 Joy Division. Everything they did was legendary. Next up on the list is Peter Gabriel at a 1.205. Tons of content, tons of hits, tons of well-received albums. That's Peter Gabriel. Next up, Muse at a 1.387. They're still going strong. They're still coming out with an album every few years. Uh, we've, we've already talked enough about what's happening with them, but hey, Bottom line is, is they are selling fucking records, baby. Next up, Creedence Clearwater Revival barely passing up Muse at a 1.388. We all know Creedence. We all know why they would be considered the best band of all time. Next up, Janet Jackson. Miss Jackson, if you're nasty. 1.478. We love her. Next up, Green Day. 1.670. Been around for decades. Still, the young people faves, man. Like, isn't that kind of every band's dream is to stay relevant with the young crowd? Man, they are good at that. Speaking of staying relevant, sometimes not for the greatest things, but hey, they're always going to fucking rock. Next up, Foo Fighters at a 1.784. New album out. I'm telling you guys right now, I have not put the new album numbers into this equation. I think that for best band of all time, it may be a little unfair because it hasn't had time to be on the charts. It hasn't had time to climb as far as sales. And also, I haven't been able to give it enough time to know if I like it or not. To be completely honest with you, I haven't even listened to it yet. I have it. I'm waiting for it. There's content coming for the podcast on it. But Foo Fighters is staying the same because I haven't listened to that album yet. And they are right above Green Day. They are right below the one and only Tupac Shakur at a 1.818. This shocked me when I did this. I thought Tupac would be kind of in the middle. Tupac sold so many goddamn albums, you guys. Jesus, Tupac. Tupac made so much money for so many people. There are very few musicians or bands that are going to surpass him. We have talked about two of them. The next one up, which skyrockets up to a 3.680, is Led Zeppelin. It's Led Zeppelin. It's the greatest rock band of all time. So we can't be too shocked about that, right? I was surprised how close they got to our number one in Michael Jackson at 3.75. They got close. 3.680 to a 3.75, but not quite. 
I think there are only one or two groups that might have Michael Jackson beat. And I think we'll figure it out within the next year or two. So those are our current best band slash artists of all time. Should we go to our, our favorite artists so far of all time? One of these did get changed because I have changed the equation and you will see it on the website. And some of you may think it's shtick because it absolutely is. But hey, it's our podcast. We can do whatever we want. For favorite artists of all time, so far, we have Everclear down at a .456. This is a weird one for me because there are albums, plural, of Everclear that I worship, that I think are fantastic, that were massive parts of my life. But man, going back and listening to their full discography, they have so much garbage. As a music fan, I feel like most of you, if you really went back and studied, you'd be offended at how many times they've redone the same song, it left me unimpressed. It's just the way it is. Green Day at a .756. I've talked about them plenty. There's just a lot I don't like about this band. There's a lot I like about them too. Next up is Janet Jackson. I love Janet Jackson. She's basically three albums for me. Next up is Tupac. Tupac at a 1.099, kind of the same thing. I love Tupac, but so much of his stuff is posthumous. So much of his stuff is later on that he wasn't even a part of. I don't like that. I don't love it. Next up is Credence at a 1.284. Brilliant band. I don't want to say they've never been my thing because I love Credence. I just don't listen to them that much. I never have. Next up, Jerry Cantrell at a 1.290. Barely over CCR. I love Jerry Cantrell. I think his solo work is good. Not perfect. Next up, Michael Jackson, a 1.350. Kind of the same thing as Janet. He has a lot of stuff that I don't love. He has a lot of stuff that I think is amazing, but a lot of stuff that just kind of, I don't I don't need it. I don't need it for my collection. Next up, Peter Gabriel to 1.460. Same thing there. I don't think I've ever hated anything I've heard Peter Gabriel do, but I don't need it. Next up, System of a Down at a 1.481. I love... I think I love all of it. I'm not a massive fan of their first and their last album. Next up is Muse at a 1.576. Now, I would say if it wasn't for one, maybe two albums, Muse would be way higher up. Probably in my top three. Next up, Soul Coughing at a 1.583. I love Soul Coughing, but same thing. They have three albums. Next up, Cake at a 1.730. I think they have three insanely amazing albums, and then the rest of them are just very good. Next up is The Foo Fighters, 1.891. Once again, I haven't listened to their new album, so who knows? This may get higher. This may go lower. And then we have the top three. At number three, we have Joy Division at a 1.937. They would be higher if they had more stuff. They were the perfect band. Uh, and maybe that's what, maybe if they would have had one more album, they wouldn't be. So they are where they are. And I, I'm happy with that. In second, we have Led Zeppelin at a 2.123. Led Zeppelin is kind of the perfect band. They have however many albums. I love all the albums. They have an 800 million amazing songs. And the only reason why the band, the Crash Test Dummies has beaten them out as a 2.670 is that the one thing that I have decided to add the equation, and I don't care if you want to fight me over it or not, is any band that has a producer, engineer, writer, singer, guitar player, bass player, drummer, come onto this show, they automatically get one point added to their band. I think that's fair as shit. And for that, Crash Dummies is at a 2.670 
and is my favorite band of all time. I am incredibly happy with that. So that's where we're at right now. And what bands are we going to plug in? What bands are we going to add? Well, I'll tell you what bands we're going to add. The first band, we've only talked about one song, but that was a great in-depth conversation. It was exciting. I learned a ton and I did it when I was in the country that they were from. We are going to add in the Cranberries to this. Cranberries is one of those bands that I've always loved. I don't listen to that much. So we're going to throw them in and see how they do. I don't think that they'll be that great on the best. They just weren't around long enough. They didn't have enough hits. Actually, that's a lie. They're around for a long time, but they didn't stay popular. The artist that I picked, and this is a big one. We've talked about her a lot over the last two years, and we still have a couple more in-depth conversation to have, to have about her, but we've even dissected her, and that her is Fiona Apple. I've decided to plug Fiona Apple into here. I have a distinct feeling she's going to be incredibly high on my favorites, probably not so much on the best. And then the big ones. We've talked about them too much. I'm going to keep talking about them. And maybe we'll just run out of things to talk about. That might be a teeny bit of, of what I'm hoping. His music is incredible. We all know it. He's Kanye West. I'm going to plug him in here. I'm interested to see. I think he's going to be pretty fucking high. And then the last one. So as you all know, we've been hard in the paint on the YouTubes this year. And we did our first reaction video. And that reaction video got trashed. What I've realized is that I took that personally. Now, when I say I took that personally, I wasn't reading the comments and being sad or mad or anything like that. I I love that stuff. I eat that stuff up. That's hilarious to me. It's nothing like that. But there is something about, there is a uh, egotistical elitist music thing that when you read these comments and People are saying things like fake fan. You have no idea what you're talking about. There is this natural instinct to defend yourself. And the problem with the internet, the problem with uh, keyboard worrying, is that you can't defend yourself. Which, yes, this is rule 101, tale as old as time, David, what the hell are you even doing? But still, I took it personally. And I took it personally more as a Metallica fan. Because I am a Metallica fan. That's the thing is I didn't get mad because they were calling me an idiot or they were, you know, saying that we suck or anything. I, that stuff's funny to me. But there was this stupid inside thing in me that just wanted to scream at all these people. I am a Metallica fan. You are not a Metallica fan. You are the fake fan. Come at me, bro. But I couldn't do it. So instead... I'm just going to talk about Metallica here and tell you why I am a fan, put them into this best band of all time, favorite band of all time, and see where it goes. So that's what we got this episode. We've got Metallica, we've got Kanyeezy, we've got the Cranberries, and we've got Fiona motherfucking Apple. Should we get into it? I think we should, after this break. homies how you doing do you want to talk some metallica let's talk some mofoing metallica i'm gonna go through each band and the first one i'm gonna do is metallica like i obviously because you know i just said the name metallica a couple times 
Metallica. Metallica, let's go through greatest band of all time numbers first. I knew that they were going to be big. I didn't know how big. Number one Billboard hits, they have 12, which is a little more than I was thinking. You know, 40-something years, I guess 12 is very reasonable. Here's one that kind of threw me off. Songs in the Rolling Stones' greatest songs of all time, number one through 250, they have zero. Zero best songs, according to Rolling Stones, one through 250. Now, in 250 through 500, they do have two. They have Enter Sandman at 390, and then they have Master of Puppets at 256. I don't... Rolling Stones is going to do what they're going to do, and I, I get having Enter Sandman on there, but I guess I'll ask you as Metallica fans too, is Enter Sandman really one of their best songs of all time? I don't know, man. They have so many better songs than Enter Sandman. Hot take of the episode, okay? Albums, Rolling Stones' greatest albums of all time, 1 through 250. They do have two. The Black Album is at 235. Master of Puppets is at 97. Uh, I understand the Black Album and Master of Puppets being the two on there. No problem with that at all. Completely get that. Master of Puppets at 97 seems very low to me. I would think Master of Puppets being basically the most famous metal album of all time if you are compiling the 500 greatest albums of all time, doesn't that have to be top 50 at least? That's weird to me. I guess we'll get there someday in YouTube, right? Because we are on the YouTubes talking the 500 greatest albums of all time, according to Rolling Stones, not according to us. What about top 40 hits? Metallica has 47 top 40 hits. But here's the big number. Here's the one that's going to help Metallica out quite a bit. One of the things I found out, I'm not sure if you guys knew about, Metallica has pretty serious fans. They have 10 platinum albums. No gold albums because everything is platinum. They have 58 additional platinums. The Black Album, I mean, we, you, you guys all know. The Black Album, Load, Master of Puppets, these are many, 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 many times over. And I'm giving them 134 songs total. That takes away covers. That includes the Mission Impossible song, all that crap. Metallica, in the greatest band of all time, the numbers come up to 3.07. So the third band so far that have been in the threes. So they are definitely way up there. And I will read off the list again once we're done so you can see who they topped. I mean, you know they're not number one. We knew that Metallica wasn't going to take Michael Jackson's throne. We knew that, right? There are a couple others you might be surprised to see that Metallica ended up higher up than them. What about favorite? What if I go to favorites? This is where I wanted to change things to where I'd, I had just spent about a week listening to Metallica. I listened to all their albums again. I've listened to them all so many times. I just needed a bit of a refresher. And that's what most of these are. I'm just going over them as a refresher. We've got Kill 'Em All, which is a good, not great album to me. I don't love that album. If I'm turning on Metallica, it's like the ninth album that I'd prefer to turn on. But then you get to Ride the Lightning. And that album to me is almost underrated just because of how much Master of Puppets is talked about. I like Ride the Lightning better than Master of Puppets. I do concede that Master of Puppets kind of changed the world, definitely changed the world of metal. And so Master of Puppets obviously is a great album. Look, Master of Puppets has the punch you in the face stuff down. 
Ride the Lightnings has these sagas. Has you know, I love when Metallica does the acoustic intros and you know that there's going to be chord structures and and there's going to be time signature changes but it's not just random ride the lightning was so good at that master puppets is too i just think it's it's more in your face and i'm more of a uh i'm looking for melody and song build and i think ride the lightning does that better and justice for all from 88 and justice for all was the second metallica album i ever heard I love it. I worship it. One might be my favorite Metallica song. I mean, that's not, it's not like I'm talking out of school. I'm sure that's a lot of people's favorite, but that was the, I loved the black album, but one was the first time that I heard a Metallica song and said, Oh, this is who I want to be. If I'm a musician. Okay. That makes sense. I know there are a lot of complaints on injustice for all because the audio quality, I don't care. I don't mind it. I love injustice for all. It's probably my second favorite Metallica album and then we get to the black album and we talked about this a lot when we did the reaction video the black album gets overlooked a lot kind of shunned because the original metalheads the original Metallica lovers a lot of them hated the black album because it wasn't fucking metal it wasn't what Rachel said was true they were no longer metal they definitely weren't like speed metal or any sort of thrash this was rock but you're talking to a guy who thinks rock is better than metal. I loved the Black Album. And I was young and I was first getting into the to rock and it was more simple and more accessible and that's what I needed. But to this day, as people, we progress. And when I was a kid, I wanted simple and I wanted easy to understand. And then I became a teenager and I started to understand musical theory and suddenly I wanted complication and I wanted augmented and I wanted meh and then I start to get older. I'm like, no, you know what I want? I want a good fucking baseline. I want to be able to fucking bang my head. That's the Black Album. You did good, Metallica. You did good. And then into Load. And it's kind of the same thing. It's maybe a little too overproduced rock mainstream. But I, st- I love Load. Load is a fantastic album. And anybody that says different, you're kind of wrong. Playing along with that helped me, you know, people say that it's way too easy uh, as far as guitar. Playing along with that album helped me expand my guitar mind so much when I was young. Playing like two by four or the that until it sleeps that doing the little things like that, uh, King Nothing. There is a lot more going on guitar ways than it sounds like. Uh, I love Kirk Hammett. I will always love Kirk Hammett. Yes, we ragged on him a lot in the reaction because he was doing the same solo over and over again. I love Kirk Hammett and I will defend him because I think he is an incredible guitar player. Absolutely incredible. And then you get to Reload and yeah, you know, I think Reload was one of those things. When it came out, I liked it. I was still young. This came out in, I was 15, something like that. So it was a good age for an album like Reload. But now that I'm going back and I'm looking better than you, that's good. The Memory Remains is really cool. Fuel is an incredible starting track. I will fight anyone that thinks disagree. But yeah, and then, you, you know, like Low Man's Lyric was cool, but that was so different you go through this track listing and it was it was kind of like this was the biggest album that i had to go back through to remind myself what the hell these songs sounded like so unmemorable i guess would be what i would say for reload and then we get into saint anger i'm not going to go anymore into saint anger we did a whole youtube on it go check it out if you want i love saint anger i understand that i am not normal for that but i do 
I love it. I absolutely love it. And there are a few songs on there that there are probably two songs on St. Anger that might be in my top 10 Metallica. I think they're incredible. Now we get to the hard part. Now we get to Death Magnetic, which I just, I did not like Death Magnetic at all. Going through the track listing this week and listening, that was just your life. Broken, beaten, scarred, the Unforgiven Three. I just don't think these are good songs. It was trying really, really hard. I do think there was something there. We had talked, I think it was Evil and I that were talking about how we thought that after Sane Anger, they got so much shit that they just decided we've got to go back and just do something that sounds exactly like old Metallica so that we can get back in the good graces of our fans. And I think that's kind of what they did. And I really, it's my least favorite Metallica album, probably by far, maybe with the exception of one coming up. Hardwired to self-destruct is better. It's definitely better, but I still, I just think it's, um, it's good. None of it to me is great. I agree with evil. I know that he's a massive spit out the phone, spit out the phone, spit out the bone fan. That's a great song. Uh, Moth into the flame. It's it has such a catchy hook, but it's just, this is a whole album of goods, not greats. And then we've got 72 seasons. Uh, once again, I've talked about 72 seasons too much. I can't talk about it anymore. I still feel the same. Two, maybe three really good songs. The rest of it sucks. I was trying really hard to like it more so that I could have a revisit that was a little more positive, but this album sucks. Metallica ends up with 30 amazing David Needs Them On His Playlist songs. That's a lot. It really is. But they end up with 23 songs on the I Don't Want Them On My Playlist Ever. I do not think they are good. And a lot of that is what I was talking about where they just start to sound so exactly this. An album like Hardwired to Self-Destruct, you seriously have to be like, wait, did the song, ch- is this the same song? Is this, did they already do this song? Am I, did something happen with my playlist? Like it is just a lot of the same stuff. As far as albums that I need with Metallica, that's six albums that I need to have for my record collection. That's a lot. That's really good. But Ride the Lightning, Master Puppets, Justice for All, Metallica, Load, Sane Anger. I want all of them. And no, Kill 'Em All is not in there. Kill 'Em All, I consider to be an album that I would pick up uh, on a discount. And then I also included Garage Inc. on that because uh, here's how I'll say it. If it wasn't a bunch of covers, I would really want that vinyl because there are covers on there, especially Whiskey in the Jar, that I love. I know that I I don't think a lot of people do, but I love that. And then albums that I don't want at all is are two of them. That's Death Magnetic and 72 Seasons. I opposite of want them. Unfortunately, I own one of them. But hey, what are you going to do? Pre-orders, what are you going to do? In summation, Metallica comes out to a 1.611. That puts them fairly high on the list. I think that's a good spot for them. I have no complaints. Uh, to put it into perspective, that is just above Soul Coughing because they have way more content. And then a Just Below Cake. So those are the Metallica numbers. What do you say we go to the Cranberries? Now, as far as best band of all time, you know how many Cranberry number one hits there were? There were two. That's right. Dose. Man, that is not very many. Now, I'm I guess I shouldn't say I'm surprised because really the only ones that you heard 800 times on like MTV and such were Zombie and Linger. But I am surprised that like a, uh, you know, you would think after Zombie, 
they'd have one more. They'd have uh, what was like Salvation was pretty big on the radio for a while. You would have thought that would have hit number one. They did have 12 top 40 songs. Still not all that much. They have no top 500 albums in the Rolling Stone 500 greatest of all time. You know what they also don't have? No top 500 songs of all time in Rolling Stone. So Rolling Stone, the 70s, 80s, and I think they had the big highest selling numbers in the 90s. You're not giving it to Zombie? I wonder how many copies of whatever Cranberries, Dolores, Rolling Stone cover magazine they had in the 90s. I wonder how much money that made them. Zombie's a top 500 song of all time. You guys are asshats. Four platinum albums. That's darn good, y'all. And uh, one gold album. They had 19 additional platinums. No need to argue went diamond. No need to argue went like 11 times platinum. That's That album sold so many fucking records. Good for them. Good for them. And total songs, I only did 78. I did not count their last two albums. One of them is just an unplugged. And uh, one of them is just an old, like, gathering of old Dolores recordings and demos thrown together. I'm not counting that. I don't like the posthumous. We all know that. We talked about it with Tupac. So Tupac went into the studio, produced and recorded these songs, then died. And then they came out with albums. Those I'm fine with. Tupac was a stockpiler. So if Tupac had all this hidden stuff, like Prince has supposedly hundreds and hundreds of songs that he was waiting for his death to start coming out so that he could keep coming out with albums for a decade. This is not that. This is a bunch of old like demo recordings of Dolores, so I don't count that. So all those numbers combined, the Cranberries end up at a 1.13. Not the lowest, not great, um, but they are certainly an amazing band, and we love them here. So now in regards to favorites... We can talk about the cranberries. This was one of the more fun ones I've done just because I'm finding that when I'm doing these episodes, the really fun bands to cover are the ones that you really like, but you don't listen to much. Cranberries is one of those bands where every time you talk to someone, nobody doesn't like the cranberries, but I don't think they're very many favorites. I don't go, cranberries is definitely not a go-to for me. And it's just one of those bands that they're always in the background when you think about it and you think, yeah, man, they're awesome, but you don't turn them on. So going through their discography again and remembering some of the stuff and going through some of the new stuff I'd never listened to was interesting. They ended up with a bunch of amazing songs, decent amount of medium songs, and and some songs that uh, I didn't love, mostly because it's very similar to other stuff. One of the biggest revelations that I think I had studying for this is that everybody else is doing it. So why can't we their first album? I think that's their best album. It's solid. There isn't a bad song on it. And while there's a lot of good and maybe the okay songs, there's a lot of really good songs. Uh, It's just nothing I didn't like. The opening track is awesome. All of them are written by Dolores with help of Noel, the guitar player. And of course, actually the first like, few the i still do dream sunday there's the start of that album is freaking crazy of course lingers on there which everybody knows and loves that's a great album and then of course no need to argue their second album which we talked about zombie this year but there's also ode to my family's on there and i can't be with you ridiculous thoughts is on there and then zombie it's just such a well 
put together album. I've listened to it frequently and I love it. Third album to the Faithfully Departed, which I don't think gets talked about as much as it should. I think it was a really good album. I remember being way into the song Salvation when they came, because this was a fairly anticipated album after No Need to Argue. And I think Salvation was the first single because I just remember hearing it and being really excited. And while I do I do think this is a really good album, and there are still, I think there are like four amazing songs on this album, it's a little bit of a lower caliber as their first two. I think there are a couple iffy songs on it. It starts to do that kind of 90s forced, we need to care about the world, we are the world, and there's a couple of them on here. Not to say that I don't think Dolores really means what she's singing, I know she does, but at some point it just, I don't know, I'm probably just being not very nice. I think the biggest surprise for me besides really just absolutely loving their first album is their next album, Bury the Hatchet, which was a 99 album that I didn't really, I turned it on thinking that I hadn't really listened to it, but I knew this album really well, and this is a really, really good album. Same thing as the last one. There's a few kind of trying a little too hard songs and some stuff that I don't like. But other than that, there's a couple of incredible songs on this album. It's really fun. It's well done. I like the cover art. The cover art's really cool. And then we get into the uh, second part of the Cranberries discography. And this is where it hurts them a little bit. Smell the Coffee is the next album for them, which came out in 2001, is basically this quartered formula they had for a hit song that they just kept doing. It's, it's never bad. And of course, Dolores is always rolling. She's always amazing. Everything she does is totally amazing. Carrie is really the only song that I think is really good it's this like beautiful new age wonderful cranberries sound but other than that it's just a lot of mediocre and then a few not good songs to me but going into roses which is their 2012 album so 11 years later they come out with roses it's beautiful it's really good it's very safe it's very cranberries and so it's mostly all just good songs they have like the great kickoff of the album with this old school cranberries doo-wop sort of thing i really liked hearing it i liked hearing a later years cranberry kind of still doing their thing in the end as far as numbers i ended up having 16 amazing cranberry songs 49 okay songs and 10 songs that i wish they wouldn't have come out with surprised by the fact that there are four Cranberries albums that I feel necessary to my collection. I always knew their first three was a must. I love their first three albums, but I did not realize how much I enjoyed Bury the Hatchet, and I now really want that album. I do think I would listen to it a lot. I have their greatest hits. I bought it when I was in Ireland just because I went to a record store in Ireland and I had to buy it. I had to. I didn't have a choice. But the only ones they had were uh, No Need to Argue, which I already own, and their greatest hits. So I picked up their greatest hits, and I'm not counting it, but I'm glad I have it. Cranberry's greatest hits is the type of band I was talking about, where you don't think of them often, but you really like them. Those are the bands that you want greatest hits of to listen to. I'm not counting it. I don't know if I should. Do you think I should? Do we can't? If you own an album already, should it count in the vinyls you need? I don't know. The only album that I have that I think I would buy if I saw it. I'm not going to search it out, but I would buy if I saw it as Roses. It's her last album. There are also three live tracks at the end. It's like Linger Zombie, and I forgot what the other one was. I think it's all them in a concert in Madrid. It's so good. So I do want that album, but I'm not going to seek it out. 
vinyls that I don't want are three, which is just the one after Bury the Hatchet and then the two, the greatest hits in the posthumous one. I don't want those. Cranberry's total comes to 1.269. All right, let's go to Kanye, shall we? I've spent about a week listening to more Kanye. There's been a lot of yee talk this year so far. And look at this. There's more. He's had some down years lately to me. And hopefully they'll get a little bit better. Let's start with Kanye on the greatest artist of all time. He has 10 number one Billboard hits. That's quite a bit. And that's no surprise there. I would have thought more. But then when thinking about his discography, 10 actually makes sense to me. For how famous he is, he has a lot more underground hits. He also has, the big one is top 40 hits. He has 50 of them. 50. He has five albums worth of top 40 hits. That's pretty fucking good. Rolling Stones, greatest songs of all time. He does have number 500 on the Rolling Stone list. That is stronger. Aller, inner, vanner, stronger. He also has number 25, Runaway, from My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, which we talked about on the pod. 25th best song of all time, if you ask Rolling Stone. Now, here's a big one. As far as for the 500 greatest of all time, he has one album between 250 and 500. He has 269, which is Yeezus. Albums in 1 through 250 for greatest albums of all time. He has not one, not two, not three, not four. He has five of the greatest albums of all time, according to Rolling Stones, in 1 through 250. 808s and Heartbreaks is 244. Graduation is 204. Late registration is 117, college dropout 74, and my beautiful dark twisted fantasy is 17. Five fucking albums on the top 1 through 250 of Rolling Stones. That is absurd, ladies and gentlemen. I think that is going to catapult him pretty fucking high. Platinum albums, he has nine. The only gold album he has is Pablo. Additional Platinum's 27. So a lot of his albums have gone multiple times Platinum. And that is all accumulated through 161 songs. With a large grain of salt because there are so many skits and discussions and things like that on his albums that I just... I went by feel as I was listening, as whether I was counting it as a song or not. A lot of the skits I did not count. Kanye West total, all that said, for the best band of all time is a 2.249. So he is very high. And once again, I'll go into the list later on. Now, let's talk about my favorites of all time. This was hard to break up and I ended up with uh, 37 amazing songs which is a lot I ended up with 98 mediocre songs which is a lot and I ended up with 26 really bad songs if you break them up by album by album let's start with college dropout his first album an absurd album I spent so much time listening to my beautiful dark twisted fantasy that I think my mind started because I've always thought of college dropout as my favorite Kanye album but as I did my beautiful dark I really started to come around on you know that being his Mona Lisa or you know a lot of people thinking that was Rolling Stone calling it the 17th best album of all time but I'm telling you what man college dropout amazing song after amazing song I have 10 amazing songs on college dropout it's so good 
Late registration, I don't think is as good as a lot of people do. I have a lot of uh, good to bad songs on there, but I do think that there are five absolutely amazing songs on there. I just don't think it's as good as College Dropout. Graduation, I'm not a fan of. I don't think that's a great album. I do think there are some really good songs on it. I don't think it's a bad album. I just don't think it's great. Same with 808s. You know, 808s was a fun style and I really enjoyed him trying to do something different, but I don't think he had it really figured out. I do think that when he worked on that in a different way later on, it came to light. And I'll skip ahead to Yeezus. Yeezus was the heavy, heavy, angry Kanye West, which I loved. I thought that was really good, really well done. Now, when he got to Yeezus, I thought that that was a little more him. He was still doing the synth. He was still doing the distorted drum beats, all that sort of stuff. But I just thought that style fit him a little more in Yeezus. My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy is basically a mixture of amazing and okay with like one song I categorized as terrible. The song with John Legend, I am really not a fan of. I don't think it belongs on that album at all. Uh, And then going down to Life of Pablo, which nobody, that was probably his most ridiculed album. I don't think it's that bad. I just don't think it's good. I think it's an incredibly mediocre album. I only have one or two really bad songs on there, but it's all mediocre. Yee, his album that he did by himself in Montana, the seven song thing he was doing for a bunch of albums. I loved that album. I dug it. And so for, you know, those seven songs on that album, I think like three of them are amazing and there are no bad songs on it. And then we get to Jesus is King, which is not my style, but it's fine. It's a good album. It's just not me. It's, it's a Sunday service album. And I didn't find it great. And then, of course, Donda, which I think is a terrible album, to Donda 2, which is way better than Donda, still a mediocre album. Donda has a lot of stuff I do not like on it at all. All those albums total, 37 amazing songs, 98 good to bad, 26 terrible songs. Vinyls I need, I have five of them. I didn't count Kids See Ghosts or Watch the Throne, but uh, Yee, I love, Yeezus, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, Late Registration, and The College Dropout are kind of necessities for me. Vinyls that I would pick up if I saw it, uh, 808s and Heartbreak is the only one. The big thing that's going to hurt Kanye is he has five albums that I do not want in my collection which are Donda 2, Donda, Jesus is King, Life of Pablo, and Graduation. A lot of albums that I don't like, which is fairly rare for bands or groups like this. And because of that, his number comes to a 1.278, which is fairly mediocre on my favorites list. And that's your Kanye West, who knows if we're done with him or not at this point. Let's talk some Fiona Apple. As far as on the greatest band slash artists of all time, number one Billboard hits, Fiona Apple has zero. What a joke. I mean, everybody knows that she's not going to be high up there on the greatest just because her numbers have never been that big. And I think that's one of the things that makes her so much easier to root for. Not that she doesn't deserve it. Not that I wouldn't like her any less if she was this massively popular star. Um, I also, I'm not sure she would have written some of this stuff if she, I don't think she would have ever let herself get to that just because of how much she hates the whole star thing. Uh, Criminal did hit number two, but that's as close as she got to a number one. She has had nine top 40 hits. So again, you know, when you think of the amount of music she's come out with compared to some of these others, nine is pretty darn good. As far as Rolling Stone's 
Best songs of all time, one through 250, she has zero. She has written two of the 500 best songs ever written. They listed Criminal as 423 and Paper Bag as the 382nd. I won't argue with those being the two known as her greatest songs. Paper Bag is kind of a perfect song. I still think there should either be more or higher up on there. Albums. She does have three of her albums on the top 500 for Rolling Stones, which is a big deal. Uh, 444 is Extraordinary Machines. We're going to talk about that on our YouTube this year. No, we already did. You saw it. We did the Fiona Apple dissection and we did cut that one early. So if you go to YouTube, our YouTube page, uh, Verse Course, Verse Pod, uh, Rachel and I did a video on Extraordinary Machines. We recorded it when we were together for the finale last year. We just talk about how fucking good Fiona Apple is. Number 213 is The Idler Wheel. And then uh, the 108th best album, Win the Pawn, for Rolling Stone. So Rolling Stone did give her a lot of kudos on the best ofs as far as albums. Only two of her albums have gone platinum. Title and Win the Pawn. Extraordinary Machine, Went Gold, Idler Wheel, and Fetch the Bolt Cutters, not even close. A little bit fucking crazy to me. Idler Wheel has sold like just over 200,000 copies and Fetch the Bolt Cutters hasn't even, it's sold like 40,000. And this is epic labels. I I know she doesn't give a shit about being famous. In fact, I, I honestly do think she's one of those rare people that would be upset if she were more popular. But my God, the fact that Fetch the Bolt Cutters has sold 40K is ridiculous. Four additional Platinums, uh, really Tidal is her big one. She sold a lot on Tidal. And the total amount of songs I've given her is uh, 57. She's done some covers. You know, she did the Beatles stuff and all that. But 57 is what I ended up at with her. All those numbers combined, she ends up, when you're talking about greatest artist slash musician of all time, you are looking at a 0.754. What about favorite? I have her at 26 amazing songs, 28 good to not so good songs, and I only have her as two songs that I don't like. Title, you have at least like four amazing songs. You've got Sleep to Dream and Criminal and Slow Like Honey, Never is a Promise. I mean, that's four right there. The killer is when you go to win the pawn because a win the pawn is, I think that's 10 songs long and like eight of them are amazing songs. Get Gone is your ninth song on the album. Really? That album is just insane. Extraordinary Machines, same thing. There are, I don't think there are any bad songs on Extraordinary Machines. Not only that, but I think there are a lot of really good, amazing songs on here. I do think it's better than Tidal. And then you get into Idler Wheel, which Idler Wheel and Fetch the Bolt Cutters, as far as like and dislike, is very, very, they're very close together for me. I think Fetch the Bolt Cutters, I like a little. I think there's just like one more song on Fetch the Bolt Cutters that I think is amazing over Idler Wheel. But Idler Wheel, you have Every Single Night, you have Werewolf, you have Periphery. Hot Knife is the last song on the album, which is incredible. Fetch the Bolt Cutters. I still think it's got a ways to go before it's respected enough. You heard that. 40,000 albums sold. Dude, Fetch the Bolt Cutters is insane. I Want You to Love Me, the opening track. Dude, her opening tracks are freaking killer. But that I Want You to Love Me is one of my favorite Fiona Apple songs. Uh, newspaper, ladies, heavy balloon, those three, bam, 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 freaking incredible, man. Vinyls I need. Well, she has five albums. I want those five in my collection. I think I only have two now. Oh, I have three because I just bought Win the Pawn. A good friend of the pod, shout out Mark, hits me up and says, hey, 
Guess what just got re-released? Win the Pawn. Guess who bought it? Booyakasha. Vinyls I don't need? Zero. It's Fiona Apple. So with the 57 songs, Fiona Apple gets a 2.0. A perfect 2.0. That puts her very, very high on my rankings. Uh, I shouldn't be surprised. And here we have it. I will go through my rankings now. We will start with favorite. Bringing up the rear at a .456 is ever clear. Too much bad later year crap. Green Day, .756. Same thing. Uh, 1.027, jumping way up, is Janet Jackson. Just a lot of stuff. You know, she has her few albums I love. Everything else I'm just not into. 1.099, Tupac. If I could narrow his art down, he'd be probably top five on my list. But you can't do that. And that's the whole point of this. Next up, at a 1.269, is The Cranberries. A little bit lower, but not terrible. None of these are terrible. That's the thing. Just above that at a 1.278 that was also talked about in this episode, Kanye. Kanye has too much stuff towards the end that I'm just not a big fan of. Just above that at a 1.284, we have Credence. Love me some Credence. Just above them at a 1.290, we've got Jerry Cantrell, Mr. Boggy Depot, Mr. I don't remember what the album was called last year. I think Degradation Trip was his other one. He has good solo work, man. Just above that at a 1.350, Michael Jackson. Same thing. Smack dab in the middle at a 1.460, which feels weird to say because of how much I like him as Peter Gabriel, but same thing. He's come out with a lot of stuff uh, that is great to me, not amazing. Just above him at a 1.481, System of a Down. Muse is next at a 1.576, and I have a feeling that every single album they come out with uh, (laughs) in the future, it's just going to keep lowering their grade. I hope I'm wrong. I love Muse. I hope they get back on track. I'm not holding my breath. Next above that at a 1.583, Soul Coughing. And then just above that, one of the albums we've talked about today at a 1.611 is Metallica. Above them at a 1.730 is Cake. 1.891 is The Foo Fighters. Always surprising when I see them at the top of the list, but it's true. I think I've maybe taken them for granted with how much good stuff they've come out with. Above them at a 1.937, they never came out with anything bad, and that is why they are so high up Joy Division. But above them, at a perfect 2.0, once again, she's never come out with anything bad. I don't see how she's going to Fiona Apple. And there's only two left. Number two at a 2.123, greatest rock band of all time, Led Zeppelin. There's one other band that I think might surpass that. I'm not sure if they will. Number one at a 2.670 because yes, I did change the rules. And what is the rule? The rule is if you come on to verse, chorus, verse, you automatically gain one full point. So at a 2.670, we have the Crash Test Dummies. Very wise coming on the show, Brad Roberts. But what about best bands of all time? What about going by the numbers? What about going by public opinion. At a 0.075, we have Soul Coughing. At a 0.167, we have Jerry Cantrell. At a 0.489, Crash Test Dummies. 0.612, Everclear. 0.649, Cake. 0.754, this is where Fiona is, which is just tragic. It honestly is. 0.917, we have System of a Down. 
Above them, 1.13. A little surprising to me. I thought they'd be a little lower, but I'm happy with this, is the Cranberries. 1.153, we have Joy Division. At a 1.205, we have Peter Gabriel. At a 1.387, we have Muse. And at a 1.388, we have CCR. At a 1.478, we have Janet Jackson. At a 1.670, we have Green Day. At a 1.784, we have Foo Fighters, and keep in mind, this does not include their new album. I will uh, do one next year. I think if I keep doing these episodes, Foo Fighters will probably raise again, because I'm sure that their new album is going to get a lot of sales, and people are going to love it. And then we have our top five. At number five, we have Tupac at a 1.818, beating him fairly handily, which is hard to see, but I get it. At a 2.249 is Kanye West. At number three, getting into the threes now, so significantly higher, significantly higher. To 3.07, we do have Metallica. They have the awards, they have the albums, they have the following. Another significant jump at a 3.680 is the Zeppelin. And then, of course, the King of Pop, 3.75, Michael Jackson. And there we have it. There's our list this time. Let me know what you think. Let me know what you like. Let me know what you don't like. Versecourseverse.com at versecourseversepod. Hey, thanks for hanging out with me, you guys. Join us next week. Rachel and I are going to talk something we have not talked about on this podcast. We've talked about scores. We have not talked soundtracks. Join us next week for that. That was really fun to do. Love you guys. Like, subscribe, go leave reviews on iTunes, I guess. I don't even know if that matters anymore. The podcast world is becoming very weird. Stitcher's going out of business. I think by the time this comes out, Stitcher will officially be closed. I don't know what's going on. So, hey, I guess I should say this to me just as much as to everybody else. Can't tell you enough how much I love doing this pod. And uh, good night. Good fucking night.